Hashtags, a Gartner Marketing and Communications podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Dorian Kundik. Welcome to Hashtags, the Gartner Marketing and Communications podcast, where I sit down with some of our best thinkers to share practical tips and strategic insights to help you stay ahead of the curve and add value to your organization. Our topic for this discussion, reality checking your customer experience. It's easy to succumb to the pressures of growth. Many organizations say they're all about the customer while their primary focus is actually on driving immediate returns. Customers and employees take note when customer obsession is lip service. How can marketers recenter and reinvigorate their customer experience? My guest today is Leah Leachman, who leads our customer experience research team here at Gartner. And Leah, thank you so much for being with us. And I'll ask you to take just a moment to say hi and introduce yourself. Yeah, hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Again, I'm Leah Leachman. I'm a customer experience analyst at Gartner. And the way I kind of describe my role is I spend time helping, you know, our clients and brands develop customer experience capabilities, all of the processes, all of the things necessary to drive customer-centric outcomes and of course positive business outcomes as well. You you cut your customer experience teeth in the high roller startup world. Having not been in that world myself, I picture a bunch of beautiful people laughing and playing ping pong in a renovated loft. Anne Hathaway may or may not be involved. Uh, but you described watching these high growth, high expectation companies really start strong with this laser focus on customers, but then often lose that edge as they grew. And you say that's kind of a, a microcosm of a pattern you see in a lot of organizations. It is. At the beginning, there's this almost maniacal focus on kind of solving this customer need, um, you know, shaking up the status quo, you know, customers at the heart. But then as we get more removed from the customer, especially as there's this kind of immense pressure to grow, more investment, we want to please investors. There's just this propensity to jump on what we can see like immediately, you know, by way of clicks and purchases, you know, email opens and we get kind of focused on, you know, the beginning stages of the customer journey, you know, the acquisition. And then we forget to support, you know, this bridge that that creates not just, you know, one-time fans, but this community of advocates over time. Um, and it's just really hard to create sustainable growth without really understanding how you can support customers after they buy, you know, knowing what they appreciate or maybe even don't, you know. And you don't have to be high growth for this to be a danger, right? It's really easy to see there, but this is something that all companies can fall into. Even the most, you know, buttoned up, stayed B2B company can fall into this type of trap. Exactly. And it, and it gets really, you know, you get comfortable because at, over time, you think you just know your customers. So there's just a lot of you know, reliance on kind of internal knowledge without really taking a step back and thinking about have we, um, have we, have we really asked our customers? Have we, have we taken the time to actually be the customer? And so, you know, we get distracted by some of those kind of short-term mechanisms and outcomes and we forget kind of what that customer objective is, you know, how can we provide value, how we can help them? You know, we'll dig into where that customer experience is slipping away more specifically in just a minute. But first, let's go ahead and frame this up with a little, a little bit of data. Our impetus for this conversation was Gartner's recent survey around customer experience and management expectations. Could you walk us through what that data tells us? 
So Gartner's, uh, we, we call it the Customer Experience Management Survey, and it was conducted late last year in, in 2021. And so every two years, we conduct the survey of CX practitioners to learn about their successes, struggles, and practices. And you know, our ultimate goal is to uncover what's really working and in improving CX. And you know, we, of course, we screen companies that are engaged in, in CX and using CX tools like voice of customer, personas, customer journeys. And one of the things that we found is that, you know, customer experience programs that exceed kind of management expectations, they're you know, 2.3 times likely to have customer experience efforts in the marketing, marketing department that are not primarily focused on the path to purchase, but on the journey after acquisition, which is important. And then also, as it relates to just time and investment and practice, you know, mapping the customer journey end to end is vital. Um, improving the experiences of you know, existing customers is important. Um, and we also found an association between you know, persona development as well. Um, but again, it's kind of that, uh, I think these, these data points point to that there's this importance of time, experience, and, and maturity as you really focus on some of those CX best practices and you know, those companies that have you know, been able to focus and continue to are more likely to exceed management expectations. So are marketing leaders surprised by this data, how it turned out, or is this primarily confirmatory to what they suspected about customer experience all along? I think it's confirmatory, but that doesn't mean that you know those indicators are actually kind of what they're doing or where they're investing. I think there's you know, certainly an acknowledgement that customer understanding is important, but then we also see marketing leaders say it's it's been incredibly hard to keep what, up with the shifts in customer understanding. So there's a little bit of a, you know, um, a little bit of a say-do gap there. We'll unpack that a little bit more later. Um, but if, if marketing leaders know this is so important, where are they going wrong right now? You had mentioned this idea of kind of leapfrogging over some fundamental capabilities. Um, so there, there do seem to be some things that we could be doing better. Talk about those capabilities a little bit. That's a great question. I think you know one way this manifests is just this focus on digital. And I, you know, I certainly understand as everything that we've been doing in the last few years is, you know, feels like it's online or through some technology. But I think what's happening is that we're kind of equating digital and e-commerce as the customer experience itself. And that can lead us to just put our blinders on. You know, we're focusing on only the digital experience and then failing to understand, you know, how digital touch points fit into the greater set of, you know, our needs, our wants and, and goals as customers. And so we, we kind of look at all of this data and we kind of combine it and forget to consider alongside all of these sources um, that, you know, what, what is the customer need? What, how can we better under, understand them? And, um, you know, we have more access to data and technology, but we're still relying on these assumptions uh, rather than on this understanding of just customer needs themselves. So we kind of put all our eggs in one basket. Yeah, you had mentioned having a good voice of customer program, right, might be even more important than having the cutting edge tech. Or do you need both? How do you think about balancing those? I think about it kind of in, in as a balance. I think there's the understanding helps us understand kind of how you know, what capabilities we need, um, what are the objectives we need to support, and then based on kind of our, our stack of technologies, how can we 
you know, use our technology to support those objectives versus um, kind of retrofitting customer needs around kind of the channels and the and the technologies that we have. So I think it's all about you know, determining what capabilities we need, what type of skills versus, oh, is it is technology the answer? And sometimes it's really more about the way we, you know, govern our data and the way that we're sharing it in a meaningful way to drive performance. I want to talk about personas for just a minute. Clearly having accurate, updated, really well-crafted personas is a critical driver of a great customer experience. But you point out that this is where a lot of organizations really fall short right now. Um, Where do marketers tend to miss the mark on personas? I think sometimes we, we see them as these, you know, point in time deliverables, and they're not approached as tools that can help answer these really critical business questions for different stakeholders and end users from the customer's you know, point of view. You know, they, you know, oftentimes they don't convey meaningful insight that impacts, you know, our internal understanding of what customers need or what they would value from us. Um, maybe they're too focused on demographic factors and they're not actually personas themselves. They tend to be segments. Um, and again, it's, they're not a one and done type of activity. We have to kind of think of them as these dynamic iterative tools of empathetic research that, you know, that depending on kind of what we're trying to accomplish, whether that be through our social media channel, through customer service, through user experience, what are the things that we need to know to better understand that customer at the touch point where, where we're delivering content or um, you know, some type of service interaction. You know, taking that one step further, um, can creating personas, whether done well or not, whether they're actually personas or not, can creating those also give marketers a bit of a false sense of security? Like, check, I know my customers, now let's move on with life. Yes, I think that, you know, sometimes I think that's where, you know, it's important to think about them as evolving tools. So it's not something where, you know, we have it, we're great, and then we can move on. Um, you know, it's it's almost like we're, you know, we we would be, you know, basing the last two years if we kind of had our personas from, you know, two years ago. And then we think that, you know, that person is the same and we try to meet their needs, we may be completely off base. How often do they need to be updating personas? Is there any kind of rule of thumb to that? Or is that a a moving target depending on what your organization is? There's really no magic answer. And I think that's why it's so important to work with, you know, different teams that are responsible for collecting customer feedback or customer facing to to indicate when there may be shifts. And and it may, it may kind of, um, indicate for us or, or serve as a signal that you know maybe it's time that we revisit you know this this um, this aspect. You know one of one of the biggest tells as to whether marketers really get the potential of something is in how they think about measurement. And you brought up a great point that many marketers approach to measuring customer experience rides far too heavily on net promoter scores at the expense of some more meaningful metrics. Uh, I loved how you had couched it that customer health is a portfolio of metrics. Can you talk about that portfolio a little bit? Sure. And I think it's, you know, it's important to think of measurement as a kind of overall strategy. You know, that's, you know, like you mentioned, kind of a a portfolio of metrics that reflect, reflect the kind of 
end-to-end customer experience. They align with performance objectives. Um, you know, they are functionally relevant for different roles instead of you know just one metric. And the analogy I like to make is that you know, we wouldn't measure our own health based on our pulse. So we shouldn't use one metric as kind of that substitute or proxy, you know, for our customers. We don't win with our customers just by, you know, finding or, or having one metric. And I think it's not that NPS is a bad metric. It's just standalone. It's really hard, um, you know, to, to be effective and to drive change. And so it's important to have other, you know, transactional metrics um, using customer verbatims. Otherwise, we, we tend to just focus on the actual score and, and benchmarks versus what can we do to improve the experience in itself. You know, you would acknowledge that there's kind of this prevailing pressure to use NPS as a type of overarching North Star metric. So pressure coming outside of ourselves, right? Where does some of that pressure to focus on NPS come from? You know, part of it's because it's a, a common barometer. There are a lot of, you know, a lot of companies use it. So it's widely recognized. You know, there are, you know, benchmarks that you can, you know, purchase and look at your industry. And so it's it's not that it's again wrong, but I think there's that competitive pressure from, you know, it's you know, it could be investor-led, you know, leadership knows that that could be a uh, metric that they can put on the scorecard to indicate that, you know, they're advancing in customer health. But that doesn't really tell the rest of the organization what good means. So it's kind of like saying, you know, you're doing a good job, but then you don't really know the things you could do to sustain that. Or perhaps if, you know, scores are going down, we don't know as an organization, um, you know, the, the, the specific drivers of that dissatisfaction. So that's why it's really important to think about um, that portfolio and that may change over time, but it's, you know, it's, it's about kind of driving the organization towards, uh, you know, what are the things that drive satisfaction and, and loyalty and advocacy? And if we only have one barometer, we really don't know. It's a really hard GPS system. Uh, you had mentioned unintended consequences that when companies focus too much on NPS, it not only upsets that portfolio of metrics, but it can actually produce some unintended consequences for companies. Tell me what that looks like with employees kind of gaming the system. You know, think about it. It's almost as if we're, we become risk averse, you know, we're shift towards, you know, this improvement of a metric without addressing any type of root cause or underlying drivers. We may miss out on really kind of impactful opportunities to improve the experience. And so, you know, take, you know, for example, when, you know, you may be um, on, a, on a call with someone in customer service and perhaps, you know, this is something where, you know, it would be beneficial for you to stay in the line to learn a little bit more about kind of what you need. And perhaps your issue isn't something that's, you know, really simple, but because, you know, they're, you know, beholden to, you know, perhaps, you know, you know, doing a, a certain number of calls within a certain amount of time, you know, they feel that pressure. And so they're, they're thinking about time versus, um, you know, how can I help that customer really solve their issue? And it's kind of similar with um, being so focused on one metric, you just get focused on winning in that way versus what are the things that actually um, help us win? Like, how can we listen better? You know, earlier, it was yesterday, actually, I, um, I was waiting for you know a um, you know someone to come into it was kind of a uh, kind of a bug removal removal service and they probably rescheduled on me two or three times after I waited two to three hours you know for that window and after the person finally came and 
you know, they did their service really friendly, did a great job. And immediately after he put out kind of a, a key, a iPad for me and said, can you please, you know, rate me on my NPS score on, you know, a, a 10 out of 10. And I immediately thought to myself, you know, I, wow, this is kind of, you know, awkward, but this isn't going to tell that this is not about him. This is about the company. And I would want to rate them, you know, a one or a two just because of my bad experience. But, you know, he's, he's kind of pressured in his probably compensation, his goals are all on this metric. And, you know, that also kind of eliminates their ability to figure out what are the things that perhaps drive dissatisfaction. So there's a lot of pressure and it kind of leads to kind of the opposite of the intended outcome. You know, let's focus more on employees for just a minute. You'd made a, a really interesting point that companies need to be looking at employee journey alongside customer journey. What do you mean by that? When you think about, you know, the the customer journey, there's a front stage and then there's the backstage, all the different, you know, people and processes that, you know, are accountable for delivering that experience. And if we don't, you know, look for and listen and see, you know, where are the barriers that our teams who are accountable for for making our customers happy, where where are they having friction in delivering the best experience? Where are they unempowered? Where um, where are kind of our policies and procedures getting in the way of, of, of them in delivering that? So it's, you know, are we enabling them or um, is this something where, you know, they're, they're also having, um, you know, to put forth a lot of effort in, in you know, helping customers. And that can also um, kind of interfere with the customer experience. It's, they're pretty intertwined. This seems like something that's almost easier for us to correct, to go in and look at what we're doing internally and say, where are we actually tripping over our own feet? You had shared a great example of how you're seeing this crop up in the world of secret menus. Um, I'll let you give a little context why these are such a big deal right now. Uh, I'll say that I'm a chronic offender. Every single time that I go to a Dairy Queen, I order a Georgia Mud Fudge Blizzard, and I'm sure it has not been on an actual menu for 20 years now. So that's the kind of high roller secret menu girl I am. Anyway, tell me about how secret menus are a great example of this kind of barrier to the employee journey and how some companies are solving for that. You know, secret menus are those those hacks are you know very uh, you know they're very popular. You can find them on you know, TikTok or Reddit. I, I love them myself. Um, but a hack to a customer um, can you know, can be a really big pain for for you know employees. When you someone goes to order and you have you know maybe you have like an assembly line. You know, think of you know waiting for a uh, you know a coffee drink or you're building some type of of, of sandwich or burrito, and your you know, your secret menu item can have, you know, 15 things versus the normal four, or there's kind of more intricate layers and colors and flavors. And so it just creates kind of more time when, you know, your employees are kind of looking to kind of move things along. And one of the things that you could do is kind of, you know, listening on both sides, you know, how how this kind of fun secret menu was perceived, um, you know, both by customers, but then employees. And, um, you know, I thought it was interesting, you know, a good story is Chipotle kind of capitalized on that, you know, popularity of, of, of customers hacking their menu. And so they integrated some of those favorite hacks into their mobile app. And so they kind of shared those new you know, menu hacks and customizations on their TikTok. Um, but beyond making that easier for the customers, that hidden benefit was for the employees as well. You know, that helped kind of ease that operational pain that they were making, but also kind of keeping that, that kind of fun um, element of surprise for their customers at the same time. I want to talk about self-knowledge 
relative to customer experience. I was struck by some other data that you have, which shows that marketers are relatively sanguine about their ability to get better at customer experience, but then they never seem to actually get any better at it. Uh, tell me about that data a little bit. What did it tell you? And that was from that same customer experience management study in 2021. You know, we, you know, we found that you know companies' competitive advantage, uh, ambitions to differentiate through customer experience really haven't been realized. So we did this the same study in 2017, 2019, and then 2021. And the percentage that you know of companies that said they plan on competing on the basis of CX in two years was roughly the same year over year. So it's kind of like we're just all moving at the same pace and we're hitting a plateau and no one's actually differentiating from each other. We're just perhaps making the motions, but we're not investing in the in the right things. Are we just optimistic people? Are we a little bit deluded? Is there something that we're underappreciating from a marketing perspective? What do you think is going on here? Maybe we're just tired. That's always an option. <laughs> I think that, you know, I think that customer experience has, you know, gotten better. Companies certainly are improving. But I think what, you know, what we say is important and where we're supporting by way of capabilities, just there's this gap in terms of um you know, when we think about there's kind of a few specific areas of, of customer experience that companies kind of acknowledge that is important to succeed. But then when we look back at, you know, some of our data and where they're actually, um, you know, posting in terms of maturity, they're, they're way behind. Um, and those kind of areas are, you know, things like um, me measuring and, and using voice of customer, uh, measurement strategy, having a kind of firm and focused CX strategy as well. So there's, you know, I think that there's, you know, perhaps um, a underinvestment and perhaps an underestimation of how much work it does take in order to actually differentiate. You know, it, it it's not just a collection of projects. It really has to be systematic. Yeah. So this is that say do gap that you were referring. And these three that you named off were actually the top three gaps, right? That voice of customer, the measurement strategy, a more strategic approach. Um, you had mentioned to me that many marketers are likely surprised that these specific ones are the top three. Why do you think that is catching some people off guard? I think that there's this feeling that we know the customer, um, but it's not just about the data that we have. It's also how we're, you know, using customer understanding um, and tailoring that to, you know, how different roles can improve their performance. The the other factor is, you know, I mentioned governance is really having, you know, a team that's responsible for enabling the organization to be and act customer centric, customer centrically. So really having more organized. You know, systematic efforts around their strategy and also, you know, understanding kind of who we're focusing on, you know, having a, a clear focus on you know, how we are, um, which customers um, do we, you know, our strategic importance to us are going to help drive our business forward. Um, and I think that there's a little bit of a, um, under, again, underestimation of how important these, these factors are. When you say have a more systematized strategy, that requires internal partnership. Um, are there a, a couple keys to doing that well right now or things that you're, you consistently find yourself coaching them on to help them provide a more systematized strategy? 
I think that the first, you know, the first thing is that, you know, and I think that this is, you know, not a secret, but, you know, customer experience is certainly, you know, not a um, kind of one department, you know, should own the experience. I think it's important to have a, you know, leadership oversight, um, you know, to ensure that there's kind of consistent execution, you know, efficient decision making, but it, it does take a team at the beginning of, a, of, of cross-functional leaders to help kind of set that you know, mission and, and vision for customer experience. So everyone knows who the most important customers are and, you know, what are the things that are important to them and, you know, help translate, you know, both that mission into more, you know, um, relevant kind of behavioral activities that the rest of the, the organization can, can, can uh, get behind. So I think it's really important that, um, you know, we think about, you know, if we're, if we have goals in sales or we have goals in marketing for acquisition, but if we have goals in satisfaction, we should, you know, we should have kind of leadership over CX as well. I'm curious how much daylight you see between companies that are more progressive in their approach here and, and kind of the middle of the pack. Is there a huge difference? Is the middle of the pack nipping at their heels? And so they just need a little bit, of, a few tweaks to catch up. How much daylight are you seeing there? There's, you know, the majority of, of you know, companies are still at that kind of nascent beginning stages of, of customer experience. You know, there's you know, a very small percentage that, you know, are truly in that kind of top percent. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with kind of lack of, you know, that governance framework, um, you know, everyone has their own idea of who the customer is. You know, one department has the arm, the other has the leg. There's kind of this disparate view. And so at, at most companies, it is a collection of projects. You know, there's the best intentions, but you know, without that kind of systematized organization and without a firm strategy, it's, it really, it's really hard to start to make kind of meaningful progress you know, beyond those beginning stages. You know, g- going with the corporal analogy here, uh, you'd mentioned earlier a pulse. You're a runner. Uh, I imagine if you're trying to, you know, decrease your times, uh, there are certain things you can focus on in terms of your training. So are there one or two things that you would really call out for marketers that they can focus on right now with their customer experience that kind of give them outsized results, right? To get better results immediately. What are those one or two things they should really focus on? I think one, it's really important to think that, you know, customer centricity isn't a program, you know, it's an outcome. And it's an outcome of those, you know, continuous efforts to connect the dots, um, you know, between our customer, you know, our vision for customer experience and that kind of day to day. So really thinking about, I think one, you know, one even not easy way, but it's to kind of learn from your employees. What are the things that are getting in their way? Um, You know, we can't think about customer experiences going on autopilot. You know, you have, you have to see yourself as that, that GPS system. What can Gartner clients look forward to on the customer experience front? One of the things that, you know, we're, we're looking at, um, you know, across, uh, you know, in, at our team, you know, I think one of the, the research areas that we are exploring is, you know, is can you reward employees for customer experience? I think that's one thing that we're really excited to explore further, um, you know, how we can integrate, you know, some of our research at Gartner on consumer values. How can CX, you know, practitioners leverage that research? And then more broadly, you know, about uh, customer feedback and surveys, you know, how do you optimize them? You know, what's what's the best route um, to get feedback from customers? Is, you know, are surveys still the right thing? 
Just to wrap up, any final pieces of advice for a marketer listening in, trying to figure out how to up their game on customer experience, final advice for them? Well, when's, when's the last time you've been a, a customer at your own company? You know, take, take the time to get closer to the customer, be the customer. Um, you know, maybe, you know, if you're in retail or healthcare, you know, jump on the floor, uh, take a shift. You know, that some of those, you know, things that, um, you know, bring you back to being a customer can be the most compelling um, and really, you know, connect the dots between, you know, customer first and, and company also. Great advice. I love that. Leah Leachman, thank you so much for being with us today. And thanks to all of you for joining us on Hashtags. We'll see you on a future episode. Take care. Please subscribe and share the episode with your colleagues. Thank you for listening. Gartner Podcasts are a production of Gartner, the world's leading research and advisory company equipping executives across the enterprise with indispensable insight, advice, and tools to achieve their mission-critical priorities. You can learn more at Gartner.com. All content in Gartner Podcasts is owned by Gartner and cannot be repurposed or reproduced without Gartner's consent. Gartner is an impartial, independent analyst of business and technology. This content should not be construed as a Gartner endorsement of any enterprise's product or services. All content provided by other speakers is expressly the views of those speakers and their organizations.